0: Empower Radio presents The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to The Dr. Julie Show, All Things Connected. Each week we gather to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. I am certain that you will hear something in this next hour that opens you to an infinite field of possibility. So, stay tuned here. Traditionally, science has regarded the universe as made up of inert matter and empty space. However, our guest today brings together extraordinary evidence from cosmology, biology, and physics to show us that the universe is not dead not dead at all, but rather uniquely alive. An insight which he describes is in harmony with all of the world's major spiritual traditions. We're going to explore how this view can radically transform our concept of ourselves, our place in the cosmos, and the evolutionary trajectory of humanity. So I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment. Open your mind connect with your heart, and settle into your essential self as I introduce our guest. Duane Elgin is an internationally recognized author and speaker. His books include The Living Universe, Voluntary Simplicity, Promise Ahead, and Awakening Earth. He has contributed to numerous studies of the long-range future, working as a senior social scientist in Washington, D.C., on a presidential commission on the American future, and then with the Futures Group at SRI International. Dwayne received the Peace Prize of Japan, the GOI Award, in Tokyo in 2006 in recognition for his contribution to a global vision, consciousness, and lifestyle that fosters a more sustainable and spiritual culture. Doesn't that sound yummy? It is, and I'm so excited to have him here. Dwayne is the Executive Director of Great Transition Stories. We're going to hear about that, too. Welcome, Dwayne.
2: Thank you, Julie. It's great to be here.
1: Mm, Thank you. It's it's lovely to have you here, and you have so much wisdom and uh, amazing content that we could have, like, myriad of shows here today but I'm most excited about talking about the living universe and there's so much there that um, is just going to be rich in our conversation today but first Dwayne we have a tradition on the show we like to set this conversation in a larger meme and so I'm going to ask you our traditional question which is Dwayne Elgin what does all things connected mean to you?
2: Let's see. At the foundation of the universe, uh, it's being regenerated at every moment. That's a key insight from the living universe work. And it is that the universe is not just the remnants of the Big Bang that happened almost 14 billion years ago, but rather the Big Bang is going on all the time. And physics and cosmology is uh, discovering that we live in what might be called holographic reality. The universe is is now being considered by cosmologists as a giant hologram that's being regenerated moment by moment by moment. And um, as it is regenerated in its totality at every moment, it means that it is being recreated moment by moment as a unified whole. So unity is not something that we reach out and create, but rather it's a pre-existing fact of how our universe is arising and manifesting at every moment. So uh, all things are connected, and the interdependent and co-arising nature of all things is foundational now to both physics as well as to the world's wisdom traditions.
3: Mm.
1: Thank you for that. You know, right there is there's so much good um what do i want to say juicy fertile soil right there for our consciousness for our small limited minds to start planting seeds to grow a whole new perspective on life and and i love that and i love how you did this in the the living universe your book going from the macro cosmic perspective into this micro cellular and and we'll get into that in, in more detail. But the other thing that I really appreciate Duane is this meme. So I asked you about all things connected and that meme is really helpful for our consciousness, but it's so much more than science and spirituality converging now to really show us it's connected The thing that you do is bring this other meme, like it kind of like embraces it and lifts it up even higher is this meme of this living universe. And I love how you've written about it and really helped us shift our consciousness, shift our perspective about things. So let's start right there. Like what difference does it make if we view or perceive the universe as dead or alive?
2: Great question. What difference does it make? Um, it makes so many differences that it's stunning. Uh, because uh, the stunning part is to realize we as a um, Western society have lived uh, with, with the idea that the universe is essentially dead matter and empty space at the foundations for about 300 years. And so we have lived with a dead universe story. And I've said many times, if you think that the universe is dead at the foundation, well, then consumerism makes sense. Materialism is the way to go. Because what have you got here? You've got just a bunch of uh, matter. And, uh, well, how do you know you mattered that you were here? Well, you, you could say, well, I mattered because I had a lot of matter. I had a big car. I had a big house. Um, because I had so much matter The bank account and all the rest, I must matter. Well, that's one point of view, but that point of view is really the American dream, which is now becoming the world's nightmare with climate change, species extinction, resource depletion, and so on. So there's another narrative, there's another perspective. and It says, instead of dead at the foundation, the universe is foundationally alive. It's a living system. It's a unique kind of living system. More than 2,000 years ago, Plato said, the universe is a single living creature that contains all living creatures, within it. So uh, if we regard the universe as foundationally alive, then what has priority is to engage with the aliveness. And if you want to engage with the aliveness, you want to get rid of the clutter, you want to get rid of the complexity, you want to get rid of the extra matter in life and engage directly with the juice of that aliveness. And we find that aliveness in our relationships, in our family, in our connecting with friends, the work that we do, our connecting with nature, uh, our creative expressions, and so on. There are all kinds of ways that we uh, can bring our sense of aliveness into our everyday life. And that's abundantly satisfying and a source of great happiness and meaning in our lives. So at the very foundations, if it's a dead universe, well, and consumerism makes sense. If it's a living universe, simplicity makes sense. And out of those two uh, polarities, becomes an enormous uh, unfolding of um, different ways of living. And that's now extremely critical to our future as a species.
1: Mm. Yeah, in many ways, more ways than one, it's really critical here. And I, I appreciate the story that as we move into this living universe, I love how you said it's a single living creature that's alive with all this living matter within it. And when we can move into that, the other piece that you really show is humanity's progression toward self-reflection of moving in it. If we see the universe as this dead thing with matter and space and and all these other things, moving on that consumer path that that you talked about, this this living universe that you speak of is way older than humanity's self-reflection. And so I love how you ground this meme into the ancient wisdom, ancient traditions, the religious traditions, and really create this intimacy and communion and connection with all of nature's order and the harmony and beauty within. Can you just speak a little bit more about what does that mean to really develop an intimate relationship with 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 our living universe, with creation?
2: Uh, In many ways, I regard the experience of spirituality, a spiritual experience, as the experience of intimacy with the universe as a living system. And um, that may seem rather removed from everyday life experience, but in fact it's not. Uh, Surveys have been done over half a century and uh, about people's experience of connection, of communion with the universe. A feeling of, uh, I belong here, I'm a part of this living system, uh, there's love at the foundations, and so on. Uh, That would be a profound experience of communion and connection with the universe. Now, in 1962, um, uh, essentially uh, 22% of the American adult population has said yes. I've had the experience of communion with a living universe. Uh, stated various various ways, but that's essentially the message. Twenty-two percent uh, of the American adult population. And if we go ahead then a half a century to two thousand and nine, that's the latest uh, research that's available. The percentage of the adult population that said that yes, I've had this experience of communion with a, with a larger universe. Has grown from 22% to 49%, uh, more than a doubling, and that shows that we're in a in a time of just very rapid uh, cultural, social, personal evolution uh, at at a civilizational scale. So um, this is happening. This is underway, and. Um, uh, People are discovering. You know, the the, the American Indians speak about uh, three miracles. I love I love this insight. Uh, the first miracle is that anything exists at all. The second miracle is that living things exist, like plants and animals. And the third miracle is that living things exist that know they exist, and that is. Presumably ourselves. We know that we know. We know we're here. We know we exist. We we are, have the capacity to reflect on life. And um, that's very powerful, very important, and we tend then to forget the first miracle, that there's anything here at all. And that's a miracle of continuing creation. Uh, it's continuous creation happening at every moment, every moment. And the power of now really comes from the now being recreated moment by moment by moment. And that means that the power of the, let's say, the mother universe to create us in this daughter universe, the power to do that is flowing through this universe at every moment, every moment, every moment. And that means, because we're part of this universe, that power to create the entire universe and the knowledge and the wisdom is flowing through us at every moment. And if we learn the skills of meditation reflection of being quiet within ourselves and allowing the universe to speak through us with its wisdom. Uh, that's transformative. So this is a transformative revolution that's well underway with half the American adult population or more that has had this experience of communion, but what they have not had is, is a, an affirmation of that. To say, yeah, that was really important. Um, it's not just an incidental uh, experience that you had, but it's really foundational as a, as an experience for your clear insight about the nature of the universe in which you live and the evolutionary journey that you're on. So um, this is a, um, a major
0: <laughs>
2: transformation that's well underway right now.
1: Yeah, I love it. The thing that is unique about your voice when we, you know we're hearing a lot about this awakening, and we hear you know we have we have everything from from the new age to integral to mind body to metaphysical we we have so many different views here trying to bring this message in, and it's almost like you break out of the individual as individual and really bring it into a greater cosmos and I really appreciate that about really bringing the universe into the conversation. And I I know some are, but the way you've written the living universe is really easy to read so people can see themselves really as, and and I think you even speak to this, unique and individual as well as integral to the whole. Do you want to speak about that?
2: That's right. Uh, Well, it's just uh, directly manifest at every moment. We look around and we see all of this diversity of expression. The artistry of, of nature of the universe is, is abundantly manifest. So diversity and and um, uniqueness is everywhere. At the same time that that diversity and unique uniqueness is everywhere, the emergence of the universe as a self-consistent whole is happening essentially at the speed of light. Moment by moment by moment, it's coming into existence. So unity and diversity are highly complementary. So the diversity, the beauty of the whole reveals the nature of that from which it derives. And it isn't just kind of a gray machine-like hum that's happening here. It is the uh, elegance of a living system that's creating all of these uh, wonderful expressions of itself. So um, um, the greater cosmos is involved in um, a process of uh, supporting our evolution in great freedom. I think this is really important that the the freedom that we have is uh, essentially complete. We have complete freedom to either create great Happiness for ourselves and satisfaction in meeting our lives, or to create uh, enormous stress and suffering. And and the cosmos is not going to interfere with that. So the unity does not impose itself on the diversity, if you will, coming back around. Unity is open handed. It says it's patient. And it says, well, if you want to take another billion years to awaken, so be it. And I'm just going to hold you in patience and love here for another billion years. And uh, so the universe is immensely patient, immensely open. And so our diversity is, um, once again, highly complementary with the uh, deeper
1: unity. Yeah. So, Dwayne, how would you help? or assist our listeners in really negotiating that polarization of this unique diversity and in, in individuality, as well as this unified universe that we believe exists, so we're a part of this greater whole. Are there any, any ways you like to teach people how to really navigate that, that, hey, we are unique expressions of the whole and we're an integral part of the whole?
2: Absolutely. The um, the work I'm doing on great transition stories is essentially, um, in very simple terms, to look at, at that. How can we negotiate this new world that we're moving into? How can we understand it? What in the world is going on here? Um, with all of these driving trends that are just unsettling the entire world system, with species extinction and resource depletion and so on, um, What's really going on and um, to negotiate the polarization that that is out there, I think it's really important to both to celebrate and honor both the unity as well as the diversity and and to recognize there there is a um, an appropriate tension between those two between the unity and the diversity and um, how do you serve the well-being of the whole world at the same time you're trying to serve the well-being of yourself and as a uh, a parent, perhaps, and so on. So I think uh, one uh, way of negotiating that I find uh, really helpful, and that is to um, go into uh, what Desmond Tutu and others in South Africa called uh, a time of truth and reconciliation. And uh, we're not going to really come to a place of a peaceful acceptance of our diversity unless we understand the deeper unity. To understand the deeper unity, we have to start with the truth of our situation. And the truth is that uh, we're really divided. We're really separate as a human family in many ways, and we have to overcome those separations if we're going to have negotiate our way into a more promising future. And think about the separations: So men and women, there, there are thousands of years of patriarchy and sexism and the oppression of women uh religions we are we're killing ourselves over uh different religious ideologies at the same time those religions have at their core their foundation a similar view of the universe uh so we're divided with religion uh thirdly we're divided by income by wealth uh by well-being material well-being um We're divided by species, our species against other species. We're divided by generations. Our generation is consuming it all. It's not leaving much for future generations. So the first place to start is with the truth. And you say, look, uh, we're really divided here, and we, we can't gloss over the truth, the facts of this situation. Now, if the truth is actually has an opportunity to be told, like in South Africa, truth can then lead to understanding. Understanding then fosters respect. Respect then fosters the willingness to cooperate. Cooperation then builds the capacity for, for deep collaboration. Now, collaboration can then come mutual regard as a full human beings, and the capacity to love that other person, to feel the unity with that other person. So that's a long-winded way, Julie, of saying, um, really, to negotiate this, we've got to become uh, more skilled at truth-telling and at the process of reconciliation because we are so divided uh, as a human family, and we need to honor that, recognize that, and see that as our um, a learning opportunity as we move into this unprecedented future.
1: Mm. Yeah, and and as I'm listening to you, I heard before, you know, okay, the universe is saying if you want to take a billion years to get this and to, to wake into this, it's okay. And yet there is this sense of urgency that we're hearing on the planet right now. And yep. you know, scientists and others are really giving us that urgent message to wake up now. We've got work to do on the planet. How do we relax into this? We have about four minutes till break. How do we relax into the future and and really Kind of step into our co-creative boots, um, so we're we're ready and willing and able to co-create with the universe.
2: Great. Uh, well, that is really the challenge uh, ahead: relaxing into uh, the future. And I really like—I've never ever heard anyone speak of it that way—relax into the future, so we can we can become effective agents of creative change. And. Um, Perhaps we should wait till after the break to speak about this, but uh, the, the work I've been doing on Great Transition Stories is a way for people to take what appears to be the future out there and bring it into their lives in here, so to speak, and to find that within their own lives there is profound wisdom about uh, where we need to be going as a human family to get into a more promising future. And so, uh, as, as an introduction then to uh, Great Transition Stories, let me just say this. Um, if we don't have a story about the future, we're going to be lost. And that's where we are now. We're between stories. The American dream is now the world's nightmare. We don't have a story for the future. Consumerism won't uh, suffice uh, in a future that needs sustainability and so on. Okay. So to be effective, we need new stories uh, for the future. And these stories, there are four qualities of these uh, great transition stories that I think are crucial. One is that they are simple. And I often say to people they should be able to be told in six words or less. A great transition story mm-hmm. told in six words or less its simple. Number two it's universal. All around the world, people will know what you're talking about. They'll get it. They'll, they'll, they'll understand what you're speaking about. Number three, it's emotionally powerful. People care about it. They feel it. And number four, it's evocative of our higher human potentials. These the, the stories tell us uh, we're going somewhere and the kind of journey of awakening that we're on as a species. Now, with stories, uh, we're not talking about uh, analytical analysis and so on, thinking, thinking. We're talking about relaxing into our bodies, into our lives, and saying, you know, there's a story a new story about what's going on here, where we're going, what we're doing. And with that, with those new stories, comes a new capacity to live into a more promising future. So um, maybe, is this about time for a break?
1: Well, yeah, we just have another minute here, and I, okay. I love where we're going with this, and maybe we can review the simplicity and feeling into it and what have you. Before we take the break, Dwayne, yep. let's remind our listeners or tell our listeners how they can find you. You have great transition stories, um, a site for that, as well as your personal site is DwayneElgin.com. Right. Um, how do they get a hold of great transition stories?
2: They just put um, www.greattransitionstories.org .org. in their browser, and it'll come right up. And um, this is an older website, and we're in the process right now of uh, bringing it into another iteration of the a, into a more, more modern form.
1: Okay, great. And DuaneElgin.com is spelled D-U-A-N-E-E-L-G-I-N dot com. We are going to take a quick break when we come back so much more on where are we going where are we going with this living universe we'll take a quick break we'll be right back
0: This week's episode, Bobcat in the
2: Cave.
3: Gosh, Johnny, playing in the cave sure is neat. Oh boy, a kitty cat. (coughs) Sassy, the kitty cat's yelling. (coughs) What, Sassy? It's not a kitty, it's a bobcat? (coughs) Speaking of cats, you like to stress the importance of adopting cats from animal shelters? (coughs) Over five million cats go into animal shelters every year? And with millions of healthy cats to choose from, it's a shame more people don't adopt from shelters? This Bobcat Abby. Help, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nuts.
0: Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt.
3: Hi, I'm Lisa Edelstein. Every day on set, I help my fictional doctors save the lives of imaginary patients in the TV series house. Every day in his village in Ethiopia, Barasa Ware helps save the lives of real children as a local health worker. Like many children in the developing world, the ones in Barasa's village are threatened by common illnesses that kill millions worldwide. But unlike villages without a local health worker, the children of Barraza's village get the care they need to survive. Imagine how many more children could be saved with your help. When you help local health workers like Barraza, you help children survive all over the world. (laughs) See where the good goes at goodgoes.org and find out all the ways you can help the good go further. Brought to you by Save the Children and the Ad Council.
0: A bright future starts with a healthy lifestyle. Good nutrition and physical activity are fuel for your child's mind and body. Now you're talking. And the food pyramid will help you find the right balance of everything you and your child need. Grains, vegetables, fruits, oils, milk, and meats and beans.
3: Nothing can stop me now.
0: Just remember, smart choices from every food group, along with the right amount of physical activity, can put everyone on the path to better health.
2: Wishing stuff.
0: You don't have to make a wish for a healthier you to come true. Just eat right. It is an effort. Be active. Come on, erase you home. And make it balance. boy, Pinot. A healthy lifestyle can lead to great things for you and your child. Visit MyPyramid.gov to learn more. That's MyPyramid.gov. This message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Ad Council. Now, back to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected on Empower Radio.
1: Welcome back. If you're inspired by our conversation today and want to share it with others, or maybe just listen to it again, please visit our website, thedrjulieshow.com. Again, that's we, thedrjulieshow.com, where we find the archives right there. You'll have um, all of our upcoming guests and and much much more and I just want to remind you again we're talking with Dwayne Elgin and you can find Dwayne at dwayneelgin.com and greattransitionstories.org and stay connected all week on our Facebook page all things connected with Dr. Julie. Dwayne, your book I love I love the structure of it. Um, and and it's brilliant because it it creates this simple container for us and in that it's where are we? Who are we and where are we going? And I mentioned we're going to talk about where we're going um, after the break, but I think there's a few things I really want to point out to our listeners that I think are really helpful. One is um, just as an aside, there's an amazing graphic in there that contrasts the dead or alive universe, and it's really, really helpful. So I just want to point that out to our listeners that um, one page is is really helpful in looking at what is the perception of a dead universe versus this living universe. But the other thing that I think is helpful, Dwayne, if we can back up for just a minute, is how you explain that we are giants. And I know to our listeners that might sound really funny right now, but (laughs) we are giants. What does that mean, we are giants?
2: Oh, what a wonderful question. Um, When we go outside and we look out at the stars, and when we sit down in front of the TV set, and we see one of these amazing programs that takes us out billions and billions of years into the cosmos, and we see the immensity of the universe, just genuinely, truly immense. There's a natural uh, inclination to say, well, we are so small. We're just tiny here in the larger uh, scale of things. And there's a tendency then to diminish ourselves in the larger scale of things and to say, well, who we are and whatever we do really doesn't matter because we're so tiny and so therefore trivial. So um, if you were a a cosmologist and you said, now wait a minute, Uh, are we really tiny? Are we really small like that? Uh, If we had a ruler, that went from the very largest scale of the known universe to the very smallest. Um, where would we be on that ruler? And it turns out the the, the result is quite stunning. Um, on this cosmic ruler from the very smallest to the very largest, we would be just a little bit on the big side. We're a little more than halfway up that ruler, uh, and we're just a little on the big side. Um, And so that means there's more smallness within us than there is bigness beyond us. There is more going on (laughs) in the small realms as we go down, 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 um, than there is in the realms, the big realms beyond us. And so we are more than halfway up the cosmic ruler and therefore relative to the larger universe, we are giant.
1: Thank you for that there's a beautiful graphic on that as well in the book and And I think it does help us put things into perspective. you know when we start having this cosmic conversation in the universe, a lot of times it just seems so uncomprehensible it 's so large, and we just kind of shut down but I love the idea for us to really bring that in into, um, there's more going on within us than without us. It's just really brilliant. So thank you for adding that to my consciousness. I really appreciate Mm -hmm. it. And so we've kind of talked about where are we on this universe and, and now we're on this, who are we? And I, I love how you've done this piece of giants, but we also talk about, um, our body, our soul's body and our cosmic identity. And you talk about light, music, love, knowing. What could you summarize for us on who are we?
2: Well, um, first of all, it depends upon how you view the universe that we're in, because that in turn, uh, says who we are, Mm -hmm. and where we are describes who we are. And, um, we're essentially um, uh, living beings that are learning to live in a living universe. (laughs) Kind of an ironic path, but we're learning to live in a living universe, and we're just getting started in that process. If you think about it, a black hole is one dimension. And here we are in the third or fourth dimension so on, and that's only two or three steps above a black hole. Now, uh, many cosmologists say... um, we are being—we live in a universe of infinite dimensionality, openness, if you will. And we are not in the 300th dimension or the 30th dimension. We're down in, say, the third. So we're just getting started in this um, evolutionary journey. And we need to be patient with ourselves because what we are doing is the title of your program, All Things Connected. We are trying to connect with ourselves. And we reach out into the material world, but what we're really doing is using that material world as a way to reflect back and connect with who we are. And so uh, I talk about the material world uh, and ourselves. Our bodies are biodegradable vehicles. Our body is a biodegradable vehicle for acquiring these soul-growing experiences, our soul being when the body goes, the body dies, there is something that remains. And um, that which remains, um, as best I can describe it after 40 years of reading the world's wisdom traditions, that which remains is really a body of light, love, music, and knowing. Light, love, music, and knowing. And we can find aspects of this in both science and physics, cosmology, as well as in the world's wisdom tradition. tradition. So, um, uh, light, the, um, physics speaks about this world. One way of looking at it is it's, it's made out of photons. It's made out of light. Uh, we are the congealed light, uh, from one, uh, point of view. So light is a foundational building block, um, of this, uh, universe. And, um, on the other hand, out of the world's wisdom traditions comes the theme of enlightenment. Uh, through all of them, the, speak about the, the awakening, the light beyond light, the light within. And so um, the point being that we are a body of light, and we are a body of music. We're an orchestration. Every time we meet someone, they, re- they recognize the unique orchestration of uh, essence that we bring into life. In an instant, they recognize that. In a blink of an eye, people meeting us will get an intuitive hit and and a sense of who we are. Now, they may not process it that way in their own consciousness, but all the time we are intuitively engaging and tasting and uh, experiencing the world and taking it in. And so uh, what we're learning to do is learning how to live inside this living system that is the universe. And to do that, we have to know who's here to do that living. And we are this body of light, a body of love um, at the foundation of the universe. It's not this mechanical gray hum. It is the, the soaring music of a living system that, whose foundation is that of great love, great compassion, immense patience. Um, so what we are learning is how to bring ourselves into alignment uh, with this extraordinary uh, place uh, that in which we live that sustains us moment by moment by moment and that invites us into a journey of uh, awakening and uh, expanding our capacities and our creativity, our contributions, and, um, and that's the very thing that we need right now to um, make this transition into this new world is, is pushed by climate change and all of these other driving uh, trends.
1: Mm. I appreciate that push, and you talk about the push and the pull and and how we can move into this flow consciousness, which is very different. So... So maybe we can use this as a transition to where are we going? Because we talked about, you know, we have a lot going on in our world. We're hearing it on our news. There's there's some really important meetings going on on our planet right now as we speak here. So we have these pushes that are happening. And yet we talk about this universe that is this living organism, this living system that sustains us. And so here again we have this polarity of okay well wait a minute does the universe really sustain us and support us or are we destructing and and what does that really mean with all these push pull that we're getting so maybe we could start kind of globally Dwayne and I and I love this conversation and I love in your book talking about being halfway home and what does that mean and the six vital tasks but but let's just start globally here. Where are we going?
2: Um, That's a wonderful question. And um, if we really stand back and look at the earth, uh, for the very first time in human uh, evolution, the earth is now a closed system. The circle is closed. Uh, Climate change is not bound by any borders. It, it affects the entire Earth. Uh, energy, uh, whether fossil fuels or not, how we use energy affects the entire climate and, and therefore, the entire Earth. The, um, the availability of food supplies is becoming critical as we grow from I have a little over two billion people when I was born to now over seven billion mm-hmm. currently, and then moving towards nine, maybe even eleven billion in before the turn of the century. So we have these extraordinary uh, trends at work. And there are trends that are happening. There's no frontiers left. There's no place to escape. We have to deal with, with the world uh, that's rapidly emerging. Now, my sense is um, humanity is, is on this rather heroic journey. And for the last 35, maybe even 50,000 years or so, we've been on a journey of separation. And we've been pulling back from nature and becoming more and more empowered. Um, And we have become so powerful in the last few hundred years that we have now uh, transformed the earth itself. And, And it's now coming back to impact us. So we are going then from a long thousands and thousands of years of separation from nature to colliding with the nature that we are creating. And that is hitting an evolutionary wall. It's not simply an ecological wall of the physical world. It's an evolutionary wall where we run into ourselves. And it's like seeing ourselves in the mirror for the very first time collectively as a human family, as a human species. And that is what's going on right now. We um, are hitting an evolutionary wall uh, with climate change but many other driving trends. And uh, the time of separation is now moving into a time of a collective initiation as a species, and then from that into new uh, communion, new community, new collaboration, new cooperation as a human family. And um, fundamental to that will be the awakening of the global brain, so-called, the capacity for the human family to find its collective voice, Earth voice, I call it, its collective voice—a uh, voice that transcends the gridlock of nation-state politics—and says, "Look, uh, we want vigorous action for uh, climate uh, uh, responsible change. We want um, more equity in in uh, the economic relationships around the world, and so on." Um, Whatever it may be, we need a new voice uh, for the earth to move effectively and more concretely into this time of uh, communion. So uh, what's going on right now is absolutely unprecedented in human history. Um, Going from separation into, and I think it'll take maybe a generation or more, into a time of profound initiation and suffering, actually. And out of that... um, the fire of that initiation will come this new human alloy of uh caring and compassion and community and so on um, and uh and we're just moving into a new kind of future as a, as a human family and and if anything, we are far underestimating the magnitude of this transition that we're already in right now and where it is going to take us
1: mm. well where do you i love when you said the american dream is now our world's nightmare and and we're kind of talking about that and in relation with climate change and where do you see the next dream you i i love that great transition stories is here to help us in this transition help us shifting our consciousness waking up to the connectedness in the living universe so if you had a vision Dwayne, what would you see for us as a as a species as a humanity? Where are we going
2: um, okay there's uh there's on the one hand where we're likely to go if current trends continue
3: <laughs>
2: hmm. and that's not a a promising future it, it's a future of of genuine catastrophe and um the ruin of uh, the the biosphere in many ways, and it is uh, a very um, unappealing (laughs) vision. So if you ask, now, okay, now, realistically, what could we do here uh, to create a more promising future? And I would say, well, okay, well, first of all, let's go back. I mentioned Earth Voice, a, a voice for the people of the Earth. And is that realistic? Well, right now, 3.2 billion people have access to the Internet. 3.2 billion. Uh, By 2025 years or less, that will be, uh, instead of 3 billion, it will be a little over 5 billion will have access to the Internet. That means that um, we could right now start having an Earth voice conversation on a regular basis about issues like, Uh, climate change, or species extinction, or resource uh, use, or whatever it might be. And um, so the human family could find its collective voice and talk back to perhaps the United States, perhaps to Russia, perhaps to uh, uh, ISIS, and so on. Um, So I see the rise of an Earth voice as a powerful corrective influence to bring uh, an awakened, reflective consciousness to the people uh, in different nation states, as the people of the Earth find their voice about a common future that works uh, for us all. So that would be at the global level, um, mm-hmm. a strong Earth voice uh, to provide a steadying influence uh, for the for the world. Number two, at the local level. I think, um, having lived in, in a co-housing community for several years, uh, with 70 adults, uh, uh, no, 70 people, 50 adults, 20 kids, <laughs> it was wonderful, that I, th- at the local level, I think to adapt to this time of tremendous change that's just emerging, it's going to be a while to people see the perhaps the imperative of this, but I think a new tribalism is going to emerge in the next generation or two. And that new tribalism uh, will say, you know, I feel comfortable with a community of 100, 200 people. And as the global economy moves into transition and change, the national economy begins to contract and collapse, perhaps. The local economy of eco-villages and uh, and the transition town, perhaps, could well be thriving. And so uh, I see people pulling together to create new forms of community, that each has its own economic base if you will a, a a garden, a common house where people get together and and work and and eat food together a uh, retail activities and a, uh, that might be green oriented uh, that would go with the eco village and so on. so I see a new economy emerging at the very local scale that 's a very human economy uh, that celebrates the uh the softer the qualitative of life it isn 't just materialism, um, and with that, a new um, willingness to practice li- a lively a life of simplicity of living, um, recognizing that uh, you know we all need to have enough to live sustainably, and we have that we already have that uh, if we 'll just be uh, more conscious in in how we use what we have so um from the global level with an earth voice movement to the local level with eco-villages and sustainable ways of living, I see a world going into a time of really exciting change uh, with new kinds of uh, insights and, and uh, challenges and, and creative expressions. And I say to people, one of the key things that we have to do is, as individuals, we have to start bringing our true gifts into the world. And it's been said that people have both true gifts and near gifts. Near gifts are things that we're pretty good at. And often, I I see people around me that are unhappy in their work. They're not really living out of their true gifts and giving those to the world. They're doing what will just make a living for for their family, if you will. But like it or not, we have to start giving our true gifts. Uh, to create the kind of eco-village economy, if you will, at the local scale, and the kind of earth voice uh, consciousness at the global scale that will really catapult us, take us into that more promising future that lies on the other side of this time of great transition, the fire of initiation that we're just moving towards now.
3: mm
1: Well, thank you. You know, I I do hear some hope there, even though we (laughs) talked about the genuine genuine catastrophe. You know, there's this hope as we bring our gifts into the world, our genuine, true gifts into the world and learn to share. You you mentioned we already have all that we need. We really need to just reorganize, just like our living universe that knows how to regenerate and reorganize and, and come into higher order.
2: Absolutely. Um, this is the philosopher Kierkegaard said. Hope is a passion for the possible, and so I say to people, uh, "Well, is it possible that we can really respond to the to climate change? Well, yeah. I mean, they're doing that right now. They have that. It's a genuine possibility. Uh, is it possible that we can turn the tide with regard to species extinction? Absolutely, we can if we have the the will to do it. We can." And we can just go down the list of these various challenges that we face, and it's doable. Uh, We have not yet reached the point of no return on any of these where it's just unstoppable, whatever is going to happen. We have choice about our future, and choice then really requires conscious communication to um, make that choice really uh, a promising choice for, for the future. So it's imperative. Here we are with a revolution of, in communication going on um, with with so many people around the planet with cell phones and all the rest. Uh, so we could be having electronic town meetings, if you will, that uh, awaken a new sense of, of participation and democracy for the people of the earth. And um, with that, I think people could relax going to your... Phrase, uh, Julie, relax into the future. I mean, if you had a sense that someone was in charge and uh, someone was minding the store and paying attention to uh, critical um, challenges like climate change, for heaven's sakes, then that's not the only one, but that's a critical one. Um, then you could relax into the future and start building uh, at home. But now mm-hmm. uh, people feel appropriately a great anxiety about the future and as people wake up to the magnitude of change that's underway it's natural to feel a sense of confusion a sense of this is this is going into chaos and then out of that well who's to blame well if someone's to blame i'm really upset with them, and um and then seeing well maybe that's not going to work well then i just feel a real sadness at what's actually developed and and I really feel great sorrow for the kind of world that's emerging. And out of that sorrow, then I feel a um, uh, great sense of uh, finally acceptance. That Yes, this is what's true. This mm. is the reality of the world that we're now living in. And out of that acceptance then comes a, the release of a new paradigm. Creativity, and if if it comes not from a dead universe, I'm going to manipulate matter, but the sense of a living universe, I'm going to collaborate with with that aliveness. I'm going to collaborate with the aliveness of of the world around me. Uh, that will bring us uh, into a world <laughs> hmm. that's just wonderful uh, to to uh, not without its flaws, but wonderful to uh, contemplate.
1: Yes, yes, yes. You know, the the one piece that I appreciate so much about your work, Dwayne, is not only bringing the universe alive and and really challenging us to step into that co-creation and collaboration with the universe, but also creating the intimacy. It doesn't matter how connected we are with technology and devices if we don't develop that Intimacy, what do we have? So, thank you so much for bringing Uh, this to our listeners today. It has been really a delightful conversation of who we are, where we're at, and where we're going. I appreciate you joining us today, Duane. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Julie.
1: Hmm. Any parting words? If you had just 30 seconds to put this billboard out into the world that everybody would read, what might it say?
2: You would be relaxed into your aliveness and celebrate uh, your true gifts for the future.
1: Mm, love it, love it, love it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We've been talking with Dwayne Elgin, author of The Living Universe and also the executive director of Great Transition Stories. You can find him at DwayneElgin.com and greattransitionstories.org, greattransitionstories.org. That's a mouthful. And, of course, you can always connect with me on my website, juliecroll.com. I appreciate you tuning in today. Together, we are creating greater connectivity, and that's always a good thing, a good thing for the greater good of the whole. Until next time, I'm wishing you conscious love and connection. Bye-bye.